everyone, and welcome to Trek Freaks, part of the Geek Freaks Network. On this podcast, we analyze and review every episode of Star Trek, starting all the way back with the original series. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined today by Frank. Hey, guys. It's Frank here. Hey, man. How you doing today? Good, 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 good. Getting a lot of recordings done, which I always love those days. Heck, yeah. We're capping it off with some Star Trek talk, so I love that. That's a good yeah. way to... For me, I'm ending my recording session with this, but I don't know how much more you've got. There's one go more. This. <laughs> hey, Kevin, I'm going to take care of the question for you this week. I got a question for you. Spock felt the other uh, Vulcans when they died. Do you think the, Kli- the, <laughs> the Klingons, do you think the Vulcans have abilities that they don't necessarily disclose with us on Star Trek that we'll discover as the lore builds? Oh, man. Uh, probably, but I'm wondering how many abilities that they'd have that they don't even know about because they're Ooh. so afraid of their their inner selves. You know, they repress mm-hmm. so much stuff. I I I totally believe that they do, and that they we will learn about it as they learn about it. Yeah, it was odd. It was almost like, it reminded me of Yoda, right? Yoda felt the the death of so many. Um, Spock felt the death of 400 uh, of these Vulcans on another ship, and. I was like, I, I had never seen you guys do that before. And so now it's like, oh, is that a stab? Well, it must be established canon. This is TOS. So I would like to explore that. Why are they connected? And um, got me thinking like, wait, what else can they do? <laughs> are, they, are they just not telling anybody else what, what's going on with this? What more lore will they build out of this? So, yeah, I was just thinking like the Vulcans might be a, a whole box of mystery that we can get uh, opened up someday. Yeah, I really hope that there's a lot more Vulcan lore that we can get into with any and all of the new shows that are going on. And I really hope that Lower Decks with a new Vulcan cast member will play into that a little bit. Yeah. All right, moving on from there, let's go to the Warp Speed recap for Season 2, Episode 18, The Immunity Syndrome. On its way to a star base for some much-needed R&R, the Enterprise happens across the USS Intrepid, but not for long. Spock feels the crew of around 400 Vulcans on the Intrepid all die at once. The planet nearby is also declared dead. What's the cause of all this death? Why, it's a giant space amoeba, of course. Draining energy from everything that it encounters, biological or synthetic, it feeds in order to reproduce. Spock volunteers for what is likely a suicide mission to discover what this entity is and how to stop it. Through logic and deductive reasoning, Kirk realizes that it is a galactic macrovirus. Kirk orders a probe into the heart of the beast to kill it with antimatter. Spock is returned unharmed. The rest of the crew is alive, and the Enterprise carries on towards the starbase for that much-needed R&R. This is definitely like a bottle episode, right? Where uh, we, we, we hear about this in a lot of TV where, hey, we need to save a little bit of money. So we're going to make it all in one location. Just make the emotions much higher. And so the the episode still feels real, still feels, you know, exciting in a lot of ways. But it's because you're, you know, invested in character emotion more than usual. Uh, did you think this is kind of a bottle episode? Like all the stuff's have heightened? I, I did. And it kind of, I think it hit it. It hit me when I was trying to figure out what maybe the episode was trying to tell us. I feel like it didn't really have that, whereas right. most other episodes do. And the sets and stuff are built around that. Whereas this one being a bottle episode didn't really have one specific message it was trying to get across. So it was an entertaining episode, more yeah. or less. And it delved into some of the the character dynamics, especially between, the, you know, the Trinity of Kirk, McCoy and Bones. But I it, it was a good chance to be able to see a little bit of Chekhov, a little bit of Ahura. 
um, in the episode as well. Yeah. And even Nurse Chapel, she was back for this episode. Which, about damn time, I like her so much in Strange New World, I want to see more of her in TOS. No doubt. This is a classic, like, they're trying to solve space mysteries, and I think that's one of my favorite, you know, of the four genres that happen. Like, you know, like, there's always <laughs> those four different things that they start things up with. S solving a space mystery is always really fun, because it, it unfolds by the commercial break. There's always a revolution. It's, it's pretty formulaic, but it, it's a formula that I'm here for. Yeah, so, I think Next Generation does it pretty well, but... Honestly, with you being a Voyager fan, I'm I'm glad that you said that because Voyager does a lot of those galactic mysteries or like space mysteries pretty well. And because they're so far removed from everything else in Star Trek, they have there's a lot of stuff for them to be able to work with on Voyager. So yeah, this is definitely that. And it kind of felt almost like an episode of Voyager, but with the classic TOS crew. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's that's probably something I'm picking up on. And it reminds me of Lower Decks as well, because we have to mention Lower Decks. <laughs> of um, course. Season three, episode one, when uh, all of a sudden, like the space things are just like having sex on the ship. I'm like, oh, they did that on Voyager. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so the first thing that I noticed about this episode is that the tunic is back. And I know you mentioned that on yeah. last week's Trek Freaks. But yeah, the tunic is back. Um, I still hate the design. It is ugly, man. Like, I, oh. I, I I'm sorry, we're it. on opposite sides. I yeah, think it looks I, dope. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. The weird sash that I'm guessing is like a Velcro way of keeping it together has the Starfleet yeah. logo sideways on the bottom. It's it's not a uniform. What is its purpose in the show? Was he like ready to just punch out for the day? And so he puts that on. But then he got called to the bridge because something happened. Uh, I just think it's for sexy times. I think it's I think it's just Kirk being hot. <laughs> why is he wearing a, it on the bridge? It, you never know what sexy type hits. You gotta be prepared, folks. With, with it, Kirk, you're absolutely right. Uh, right? Yeah, exactly. No, I, I honestly think it's just, um, you know, like we were talking about before where the captain chooses the uniform. I think he threw this in as like, hey, you know what? It's casual Friday or something like that. This is just an alternative. But um, I bet the feeling is very different. I think it's a lot less constrictive. And so mm. it's probably just like a way to mix it up a little bit, because I, I, if you look at like next gen or even Voyager, they never mix it up. And I think that kind of feels stale uh, over time. You know, you got to express yourself. I think to make it fair, though, he should put leggings on and not be able to wear pants to understand what the women on that show go through or what the yeah. women on his ship go through. Well, <laughs> next gen, they bring, in, they bring in that, oh, the scant. Yeah, yeah, the scant. That, that, there you go. That was a big. I remember there was like. It was one of the first shots of T yeah. uh, Next Gen was a scant rolling and you're like, oh, this is a different show. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, this they've progressed. Yeah. <laughs> it was like okay. the very first shot. Yeah. I'm on absolutely. Board. I'm on board. Oh yeah. man. So when that that the sound came up that let's see, Sp Spock felt something. Yeah. And th there was like that that oh shit sound, like something's happening on the show. That scared the shit out of me because they were talking and maybe it's just because I was listening to this, watching this while wearing headphones. But yeah. the talking is so much quieter than the noise that's going on behind it. I hate that so much. But I love that classic sound. Yeah, there's something about it where you could tell that they're just like the Foley artists are having fun with it um, and we're trying to make something happen. But I think that's a Star Trek problem, TOS problem in general. Like I know the intro, the talking is way too quiet in comparison yeah. to everything else going on. Um I don't know if Paramount can fix that. I think at this point they can't or just, hey, William, come on into the sound booth. They're going to redo your lines from the 60s. Uh, well, they'd have to pay so much goddamn money to get Shatner back to record that line. And honestly, who would want to, right? Who would want to talk to him for that long? But right. um, <laughs> he's a pain in the butt sometimes. But anyways, uh, yeah. And they actually like showed more sound later on that was very frustrating too, which is weird because again, like the sound, fall the sound guys are having fun on this one. But, like that sound that penetrated everybody. 
you yeah. think they chose the right like sound for that? Because I know as a viewer, I was like, oh yeah, I would be upset with this. If I didn't run out of time, I was going to try to compare it to the remastered version versus the original version. I was wondering what it sounded like on the original version oh, when I was watching that. Because the the remastered version, I think, is where what has all the different out of whack audio balancing. I don't remember watching that and thinking that the first time when I watched it years ago. Like Especially with the intro, you can hear uh shatner's monologue in the background on the intro all the all those years ago but now i can't on this remastered version so i wonder if that's where that came from okay i have to check that out that's a good point yeah the difference between remaster and not has been pretty astonishing really yeah, yeah. um we have i noticed the dizziness that's going on did you notice that when they showed the um medical area it was like all women so i thought at first like oh we're gonna get an episode where it's only the women are affected by this hysteria yada 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 i i think i watched star trek tos anyways right off the bat with a, a negative perception just being like you guys are going to be problematic aren't you do you ever feel like that do i ever feel like that watching the original series well of just like that I you're do. going in with it first like that's my saying oh. is like you know because i feel like i'm going in with that too much now yeah and sometimes throughout the episode i i will leave that perception behind and this is one of those episodes but I, I'm yeah. going to give it away now, like right at the end of the episode, they ended this with Kirk staring at a uh, at a woman on his bridge, very creepily saying, well, maybe find some beautiful planet to go to. And that's a callback to a, they started the episode with that joke as well. Did you catch that? I didn't know. I didn't catch that at the beginning. It's the very first thing he's saying is that exact joke about like and I thought like, oh, that's a one off. But he was like, oh, we're going to a beautiful planet while he watches her walk away. And then they, it's the same thing they do at the end. And I was like, so at first I was like, oh, that's a one-off. I, you know, I, I'm looking to it. Then they do it again. I'm like, oh no, he's just a creep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I, I hate it when an episode leaves me with that problematic taste in my mouth, you know, after yeah. watching it rather than just thinking that it's going to be problematic going into it. Yeah. Um, It was funny that maybe not funny. You <laughs> can give the context of this, this scene. Um, but when Spock is talking about the intrepid dying, it's funny you brought up Yoda because I was actually thinking Obi-Wan when Alderaan gets blown up. Yeah. And uh, it was almost the exact same thing. Like, it looks like Star Wars might have talked about Star Wars oh again on the Star again? Trek podcast again. But it, it was almost like they used Spock as a reference for Obi-Wan after Alderaan was destroyed in the original Star Wars movie. It's like, it's as if a thousand or a million voices cried out in pain and then nothing. Spock said something similar to that. But did you also notice that when he was talking to McCoy in the, I think it was in sickbay about what he felt or what the, the Vulcans that died, what they were feeling when they died was that they felt astonishment because they've never been like bested by, uh, there's a word that I'm looking for, like somebody b bigger, better than them. They've never been hunted before. Yeah. And that they were fascinated and astonished when they died. It reminded me of the Dodo bird for their life. The fact that like the Dodo bird wasn't stupid. It was just that it just didn't know fear. And so it seemed, it seems stupid, but I, it, the idea that something doesn't know fear means it has no predators. And I, I think that the Vulcans definitely have predators, right? Even just within like the Romulans. Right. But, but I think in that sense, they are so used to logicking their way. Like, because what we learned later on in the episode is that the Spock brings up like hey, everywhere, everything we're doing right now is logical. That's what the Intrepid would have done. So we can't do that then. The logical move is to be illogical in our decisions here. And I think that's the part that he's talking about is like, 
the Vulcans did everything logical and it didn't pan out. And so their mind didn't have the capability to use a human instinct at that point. And I think Spock being half Vulcan slash working with humans realized at a certain point that, wait a minute, my logic mind is going to get us killed. And that's, that's a, I mean, that's just a testament to how great of a character Spock is to realize that fault and, and act upon it. You know? Yeah. I, man, he is such a well-written character in, in almost every sense. Like I, I can't think of a negative thing to say about his character because anything negative that he does is just done in the name of character progression. Like yeah. he progresses in some way, whereas almost any other character, even in the best of Star Trek, there's still something bad about a character that I won't like. But yeah, Spock is just such a very well written character and a very well acted character. Yeah. Even throughout the, the decades to come after this. I'll say, uh, make sure you guys follow Spock's Leonard Nimoy's children on on uh, Twitter. His son, uh, he posts a lot of on set pictures or convention pictures with his dad, and they're just like really cool to see these wholesome moments of uh, Leonard Nimoy, one of one of Star Trek's truly best uh, characters ever. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, just absolutely. I'm glad that his legacy gets to live on in that way too. I got a question for you. So, so one of the things that I was, I was like debating and pondering to myself, you know, as I'm like, I always picture myself as a captain, of course. Naturally. So I'm watching this, like, what would I do if people just randomly started fainting on my ship? Kirk <laughs> is like, let's get them. But I don't know if I would do that. I think I might bail. What would you do? I am shocked that they didn't leave. Like, I actually have that. Like, I was like, why are they staying? Their instruments aren't helping them where they're at. Yeah. Their people are getting sick and passing out. Reevaluate the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's dying. He even says everybody's dying at right. one point. Everybody's dying. Get the fuck out. Like, honestly, reevaluate the situation. Come back later with a, a crew that's more equipped to to handle either the stressful the stresses of the situation as well as being able to scientifically evaluate what's going on in the situation. Yeah, they, they're like they're going in blind and then Kirk's big things like we'll just do the reverse of it then. And and it's like, man, that's just so <laughs> good luck, <laughs> you know, go in with science. You're a science ship, you know, go in with science and they're not listening to Bones, which I get it. Bones has not been right a lot of times, but he's right here. And um, it, there's one thing I th- I find very interesting. He's like they got life monitors and he's like saying, like, we're literally dying, Jim. Our life monitors are going down. What is a life monitor? What are they monitoring? The way he says that it's like everybody's got a life force that he, like he could feel spirits are moving or something like that. What is that? <laughs> I just took it as he was using the the people that were in sick bay in the beds with the the instruments like the screens behind them. I just took it he was using that as a sample selection since they're all dying everybody else should be dying as well, which goes if that was the case would go back to that McCoy's really not a good doctor again that we yeah. always talk about. I took it as like he's like thought like I can tell the life force of the ship is moving like like he's I thought he said like I scan the entire ship like in you know current Star Trek they would just scan the entire ship I can scan the entire ship and our life numbers are down that's what I took it as and I'm like what's a life number then like <laughs> literally er- everybody's at three quarter spirits <laughs> we're losing a lot of well, ghosts here you know I don't something like you that. didn't know in, in TOS that their tricorders have their health bar on it <laughs> oh yeah, it is. 
It's like a video, everybody's a video game. We're flashing orange quick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Duck for cover for four seconds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. We are, uh, we are mixing genres now. <laughs> but speaking of, of McCoy being a bad doctor, um, he's checking out Spock after Spock uh, f- says he claims that he felt a bunch of people, a v- bunch of Vulcans dying on the Intrepid. And first of all, Kirk and Spock not or Kirk and McCoy not believing him right at, for, at I first. I don't like that. Yeah, that was odd. But then we see Bones once again checking him out in sickbay, and he still doesn't know how to care for Vulcans and admits as much. You're yeah. as fine. Or you're fine as far as I can tell, but I don't know how to tell if you're okay. It's like, get some freaking knowledge on how Vulcans work, my dude. You're the, you're his doctor still. Yeah. I, as a divorced, I, I love McCoy so much. He reminds me much of like yeah. a like a Hills doctor, you know, like a doctor from the Hills kind of thing. Where yeah. in your small town, he's that's it. He's a Mayberry doctor. In your small town, he is the professional doctor, and he might not know, and he'll let you know that hey, this is just too big city for me. And that's exactly what's going on here. And he's telling him like, look, man, you're healthy, but you're too big city for me, and so we don't know. And I I really like that about McCoy, but you wouldn't be on the Enterprise then. You know, right, exactly. Or the only one, anyways. Where's Nurse Chapelmore? I can bring her in. Maybe she knows more about Vulcans. I know in right. Strange New World, she definitely does. There is also a, a good back and forth between Spock and Bones at, at, around that same time where they're talking about the deaths of um, everybody on the crew. And I, I forget what exactly Bones said that led up to this, but Spock, it's hard to care about a whole crew dying at once. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Some, some something along those lines. Spock then replies, you find it easier to understand the death of one than the death of a million. You speak about the objective hardness of the Vulcan heart, yet how little room there seems to be in yours. And I was just like, dang, dude, yeah. like dropping bombs. Like, I don't say stuff like this, dropping bombs and stuff, but Oh my gosh, that, that hit the nail on the freaking head of what's going on. Spock claims to be claims that Vulcans aren't emotional. Man, they repress that shit because that was deep. Yeah, I wrote down how like that's a different kind of sadness that we're seeing there. That's like a logical sadness, and it's somehow even sadder than our emotional sadness or something like that, like our baser instinct. Um, and a good commentary on humanity, I think that might be somewhere in the morals area of how. We'll watch. It reminds me a lot of Joker, oddly enough. Like when something goes as planned, nobody worries. But when something random happens, they freak out. Like if one person dies in the streets and it wasn't expected, that's a problem. But yet we go to war and thousands die and we don't equate it the same way. And here Spock is equating that same way. Gene Roddenberry at this time was dealing with war. I think that might have been a commentary on it. Bones even replies to that by saying something along the lines of, should I suffer the death of my neighbor? And Spock says, suffering the death of your neighbor may have rendered your history less bloody, which is exactly it it seems weird that they use that like so close to the beginning of the episode if they were trying to use that as like a moral or message. But it was still a great placement. Nonetheless, it was a fantastic line. And it's true. It's true. Very true. And then when you look at it again with with our country and with countries in general, if we were to just find the humanity uh, within the other people that look different than us or think different than us, we would be far less likely to bring up arms. And then even today, sadly enough, not that we want to get into politics, but we're so divided. And if you just stop to think about the things you want, they're very similar. And uh, you worry about your, you know, Spock dropped the, dropped the hard mic on this one. And um, 
Leonard Nimoy carried that line like a champ. Boy, it was it was a really good, really good moment. I'm gonna immediately transition into something <laughs> that I I love Leonard Nimoy for, but it's just so funny uh, the way and I'm gonna bring up lower decks again. The way that Spock says sensors. He doesn't say censors. Yeah. He says censors and Mariner on lower decks <laughs> making fun of how her mom, the cap- uh, Captain Freeman, changes the way she says censors to censors in the presence of somebody else that says censors. She's like, what do we say? Censors, the censors, Captain, the censors. <laughs> <laughs> I never realized exactly where that joke was coming from until watching yeah. this episode. Now it dawned on me. It was so good. It hit me too, man. Lower decks is so good. Yeah, that's a great joke. Oh man, <laughs> uh, we have a, a ready room scene. I, 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 to me, this is one of the earliest ones in Star Trek. Um, it's one of my favorite kind of scenes in all of Star Trek are the ready rooms where we have Captain and her crew talking, or or their crew. It shows Janeway right there um, <laughs> <laughs> talking about the problem and how we could do it. And to me, it's like, man, this is the best of Starfleet right now. You get a lot of different voices from a lot of different expertises across the ship to share ideas and come out with the result with a good answer. This is one of the first ones. And I really like that. I love that about Star Trek. How do you think the scene developed over the, the era of this franchise? I'm glad that you brought that up because I was noticing, I almost brought up the exact same thing when I was watching that. I was like, man, this is a very well-rounded group of people in that ready room too. Cause normally it's just, you'll see sometimes Scotty, sometimes Chekhov or Sulu, but then it's always the, the Trinity. It's always the three of them throughout Star Trek. It's been like where plans get made, especially in the next generation. That's where the ready room, I think, made a big statement was on that show. Like They they don't even call it. I don't think they even call it the ready room in TOS. It's not until the next generation that they even name the room and going forward up up until about discovery. It's used very well. I was just thinking when you were talking about how the captain gets her crew together and talks about everything. I was like, well, you could be talking to Janeway. You could be talking about Burnham as well. But Burnham doesn't really do that, though. Yeah, she addresses them on the actual bridge. Yeah, and it'll be like one-on-one conversations. Mm -hmm. Like, she'll be like, what do I do? So she'll talk to Saru. And then she'll do what Saru says. Or she'll be like, what do I do? Talk to Tilly. She'll do what Tilly says. I think that Burnham would do... It it would do her justice to have more of those ready room style discussions rather than just the (laughs) one on one emotional discussions. But that's discovery for you. Yeah. And and, and again, like just to keep bringing it back to the morals, it's what we're always looking for is like what Gene Ronberry is trying to tell us. And in this case, yeah, it's like, hey, Kirk is not the expert in the situation, but maybe Scotty is. He's engineering. And so he might know the engineering answer to this. And so, again, again, leaning on others who have an expertise in the field is a very good thing to do listening to the experts right and so i think that's something that star trek always just kills it as and it's one of those moments too like we see kind of a lower decks right now where somebody's new or they feel like they're being you know oh i'm in the new kid around i shouldn't say anything but it's like hey you know what you actually have the expertise literally the latest episode of lower decks i'm surprised how much we're mentioning it but yeah we tindy had the right answer and it was just like break it open they're spying on us you know and um yeah it's the it's the it's that ready room that's where it's at i I didn't realize it before this episode it might be my like one of my favorite parts of star trek is that is those discussions right there it's so good too because that it it just goes to show that one person shouldn't be making decisions in the 
in place of a committee of people making decisions yeah. to, to some extent, especially when people have different areas of expertise, like you said, exactly. Yeah. But throwing that in like totally in the garbage later on, uh, Kirk and Spock or Kirk and Scotty were trying to talk about how to back away from the creature mm-hmm. and how backward momentum pulled them forward. So why not to try to use forward momentum to go backward? He didn't come up with that in the committee. He kind of just came up with that plan on his own, said, do it. Yeah. And it just happened to work because Captain Kirk is magic. You know, he's <laughs> exactly. But when he said I that, thinking, I thought it was like, dude, that's a big that's a big command for you to just like throw out there. The way he said that it was like, well, then do the opposite. And it's like you now you're currently saying basically steer towards the thing that's killing us. That's right. a very big command. Just be like, then do that. You know, honestly, it was kind of smart because even. I don't know, because we were talking about how Spock was saying that his logic would get them killed in the situation. But then with the stakes as high as they are, Kirk comes up with that plan and then says that his reasoning is that if it doesn't work, Spock will or he'll never let Spock live it down if it works or something along those lines. Yeah. He, he basically is just doing it despite Spock. It sounds like I it's tough. I don't know. It, it It's like a. I know that that's not exactly his entire motivation, but he has a lot of pettiness where it doesn't belong. A lot yes. of sarcasm in that character where it doesn't belong. This episode, I noted it down here in my notes. It, it actually is a good example. Like you, know, the classic Kirk versus Picard. This is not a good episode for Kirk and actually kind of lowers down his status amongst the other captains. Yeah. Um, his decision-making, his morale, like, like normally a captain has to be constantly strong in the face of like, we're not going to win this. And Kirk is not that in this episode. He feels defeated and he shows that defeat upon his face and the way he sits even in his chair, which is something you would never see from like Picard or Janeway or, or Cisco. Like they would still like, we'll find a way. Pike is fantastic at that. He might get a little bit more aggressive when it feels like a no win situation. And Kirk's the one known for that beating that. But in this episode, he's 100% not that he looks defeated and he's showing it. Now there is a thing where he's like, his energy's being drained. But <laughs> there so is, is that, yes. But that, but so is everybody else's, and you don't see right. that in them. So is William Shatner an excellent actor, or or is Kirk not nailing this right now? And I I really felt like this is a bad episode for Kirk as a captain. I was wondering what the whole purpose of that subplot of people's energy being drained was even supposed to be, because I yeah. in my mind it didn't pay off in any meaningful way whatsoever. Because by the end of it, the crux of the episode is whether or not Spock was gonna die. Right. And it didn't have any bearing on this thing that was draining their life energy. It was just draining the energy of this ship that really mattered in the scheme of the episode. Yeah. So why even have that except maybe as a point to get Kirk into the position where he's making rash decisions and sitting kind of lazily in his chair? Do you think that that could have been the means to that end? I wish they telegraphed that clearer then. If that is the case, and that's very good. But I wish they telegraphed that clear with the entire cast because we saw him stumble. We saw him sad. But it it wasn't like, that's the difference right there. It's not that he was low energy in that way. He was like defeated and sad. And and that's a problem because you yeah. you have to stay ever forward. Um, and then, yeah, we just didn't see it with like, I mean, Bones, McCoy was fine. <laughs> like he was like not being phased until like, there was like one moment at the end where like, oh, you know, he's not doing great right now, but not. He was just extra sweaty, I think. Yeah, extra sweaty, which is just as a divorce <laughs> thing, but. You know, right. it, it was, I don't know. I, again, yeah. I like the idea of, of it actually being more there though. That was, that's a good call. Yeah. The other thought that I had about this, uh, about that subplot was that if 
and hear me out. Bear with me on this one. If flying the ship forward is a way to get it back in this entity's presence, don't you think like depressants or sleeping pills would be able to wake the people up in that? Oh, in shit. That like, yeah, kind of the backwards is forward thing. I'm yeah. surprised they didn't go that route with the episode. Yeah. I mean, you could really just go full on opposite day. Yeah, that would be kind yeah. of funny. That might this I was would make this a it. comedy, actually. I was almost expecting it because they just kept pumping them everybody full of stimulants yeah. and they were getting more and more tired. I'm like, well, why not but, use that same lack of logic yeah. here that you use? Like logic would dictate that lack of logic would be the logical course of action. Yeah. It's Whoa, McCoy's that just made my brain thing. hurt. <laughs> right. there's, there's a TNG episode too where they find out they have to use opposite numbers. And um, <laughs> LaForge figured that out. And then I, it's one of my, actually, I think it might've been the first TNG episode I've ever seen. But it reminded me of that episode where I was like, oh man, this reminds me. They just like negative two now. And it's like, oh, hey, there it is. Um, yeah. Okay. So one of the through lines, of this whole thing is the fact that Spock is questioning himself the entire time because he knows he's thinking logically and that's a detriment to the crew in this particular situation. Now, um, Spock thinks the energy, that uh, this thing's eating off the energy as captain Kirk or even McCoy or somebody else that's involved. Do you question everything Spock says? Because you know that it could be wrong and would have gotten the intrepid in trouble. I, that's it's hard to say because of how much trust that they have in him. Like just because he's thinking logically doesn't necessarily mean that he's thinking yeah. down the same path of logic as the 400 Vulcans that were there. I, I don't think that. I personally don't think that Spock was as much of a detriment in that episode or in that, that situation as he himself thought he was. But maybe that was part of the learning curve that he needed to go through in that episode as well as maybe to trust a little bit of that half human instinct along with the Vulcan logic. And you can still not follow the same path of every Vulcan behind you and do the same things, make the same mistakes that they did. Yeah, I was just wondering if like, hey, you know, say Spock says we got to do this. If people are like second questioning him now because like, you know, or second guessing him because like, well, that's probably what they would have done, too, kind of thing. And so um, at least take an extra step forward thinking like. Would the would the intrepid have done that? And then let's not do that then, because I wonder. It, it must be so for the character Spock. This must be such a difficult situation for him because he can't trust himself now, knowing that he might be falling into a trap. And that's a that's a level of mind chess that I think would be very difficult for the average person to have to handle. The fact that you don't know if you could trust yourself because you might be the best of you might be exactly what got somebody else killed. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a good point. I just I, I think there's too much inherent trust in Spock and that yeah. Kirk was so tired and defeated in the episode anyway to even question much of what anybody was telling him. So maybe it wasn't the exact episode to try that or maybe with some of the, the sequence of subplots that were in the episode, it didn't make for a good episode to test that theory in or to test his trust. In. I, I don't know. I, I think they probably should have questioned or second guessed some of what he was saying, but it makes sense why they he didn't was right at the same in the end. time. I mean, that's one thing that just drives me bananas is out of all this, Tuvok doing what, or not Tuvok, oh my God, Spock <laughs> doing, uh, guys, I tell you, Spock doing what he thinks is best was right. I mean, he wins the day. So it's like, yeah, maybe Intrepid just messed up something then. They probably accidentally pressed the wrong button then, I guess. Like there's there's that level of two where it's just like, you know, whatever, I guess, in the end. But yeah. OK, so along that same thought process, then, if you were in Kirk's position and had to make the choice to send Bones or to send Spock, who would you have chosen? 
I, I, I'm going to just change this just a quick sec. I got to mention, why is it always one of those three? My God, send a, re send a red shirt to do something. <laughs> you could keep throwing Steve's at this damn thing before you throw a Spock. I get so and, crazy. Okay, I will go to bat. In this one episode, it made <laughs> sense to choose between them because you have yeah. the leading medical expert. I used air quotes there because yeah, yeah. we talked about how much of I love he's not Bones. really I much of a medical expert. There. I love him so much. He's my favorite character. But yeah, he's just not that great. <laughs> right. And then you've got the science officer who would be able to, he, I, I think he'd be the best choice to be able to go into something new and figure out scientifically what's going on. Even if he does have to use that aforementioned logic to try to not follow the same logical steps as the people that came before him and died. But personally, I think that those were the two best choices, at least of the crew that I know. They could have written somebody in that would be like, oh, yeah, I study extra galactic amoeba that That's are viruses yeah. as well. They could have just written somebody in, but then that'd be like, oh, well, that person's going to die then. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I guess at the, the other end of that, if Spock goes like, well, Spock's not going to die, then obviously he's coming out. Yeah. And then like, I, I guess, you know, it's a, a ship full of humans with one Vulcan on it. So then if you're going to do it with anybody with a different anatomy, like modern Trek, there would be somebody else on the ship that might have a better anatomy than him. And then that's that's the other question I got is why is the intrepid 400 Vulcans? I've never heard of that before. That yeah, no, there was a ship full of Vulcans on one. That wasn't a Vulcan ship, a Vulcan science festival. I, yeah, I would probably have to go with Spock on this one, but I did like the fact that Bones said, no, which one said it? One of them said that you have, uh, I have it written down. Spock called Bones a martyr or yeah. says that he has a martyr complex which or something along those lines. Alone, which is a very good call. Like you might be so interested in the science of this that you're willing to die for it, which means you should not go because you're going to make a decision that will let you die for science. Yeah, and that's a logical conclusion that Kurt, er, that Spock came to. Tuvok? And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, uh, yeah, that Spock came to that it made a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, these bottle episodes, you catch them coming in right away, you know, like, oh, okay, I get what we're doing. They're really good for these exact questions, you know, because the wish me luck thing didn't happen. And you're thinking like, man, that's pretty harsh. I hope they don't revisit this. They do later on, and you're like, what mm -hmm. a gut punch. And then yeah. that's so much to me that's like really impactful in comparison to just like meeting an alien world. Okay, yeah, they have this weird law. What are we gonna do with this law? Um, and it was just oh man, it was really good. I want to say on, on top of that too, because it's all taking place on the ship, this is a really good shipbuilding episode. One of my favorite things that was well about Star Trek are these really cool ships. Well, we got to see them going into the place where the Galio is stored. Stuff like that. Like, we actually built out the ship a little bit, and the Galio looks really good in this episode. They, of course, remaster, but okay. the remaster looks good. <laughs> you know, that's something else I wanted to see was the, the remaster versus the original of the Galileo landing Galileo, in the shuttle you. book. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, of the shuttle landing in the shuttle bay rather than, uh, yeah. Yeah. The new versus old. Fuck. I can't think. That's okay. We'll put it up Brain on dead. our Discord, guys. We usually try to find those and then we'll put them up on our Discord if you guys want to see the before and afters. Uh, there are people with more time than us that make those videos, and uh, so we like to watch. We'll share. But, yeah. By the way, you were asking earlier about Vulcan's inherent abilities and whether or not they have any others that we don't know about. Don't you think with the abilities that we know Spock does have that he would have been able to communicate in some way, shape, or form with this single-celled organism that doesn't really have the typical way that people communicate with each other? But Spock being telepathic, I don't know. Maybe the fact that it's a single-celled organism means that it doesn't have any kind of brain to connect to. 
but yeah. I'm surprised they didn't even humor that route in this episode. No, and I, and I wrote down, would modern Star Trek be so quick to kill this thing? Because I don't think so. I think they would try to yeah, find that no, route. No, exactly. And I wonder... They, they, did, they did make it... They, it wait, they waited a long time. I actually had the time somewhere in there. Before they said the word like, it's oh, 37 minutes in before they called it a virus. Bones called it a virus at that point. At that point, as a, as a person, like, okay, yeah, let's murder this thing as fast as we can. But they waited a long time. And before that, it's just a creature trying to find what's going on. And in TNG and, and Deep Space Nine and Voyager and stuff like that, they would truly be trying to figure out, like, what does this thing want? Oh, it wants to have sex with the ship. Okay, let's just let that happen then. I, I, you would think Spock would pick up on that. He's got that logical mind and he's got that emotional thing, like you're saying, with a connection. It should have been there. Yeah, I, I know, like you were saying with TNG, they always did that with uh, some episodes where, like, it was a random light sequence that could communicate with something like that or yeah. um, using the... The, not the tractor beam but the the dish the the, the deflector the deflector dish yeah that using the deflector dish to pull to pulsate some sort of tachyon emissions or something to be able to communicate there should have been some freaking techno babble there that john and i always talk about that this show has a distinct lack of techno babble that's exactly that other sci-fi you doesn't. just answered the question then because that's why they didn't bother to try to talk to this thing because that would evolve a lot of techno babble that would have to invent a technology to and explain it which is Fair. exactly and 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 I think man TNG I wonder I, surprising that that was so embraced because there's a fair amount of techno babble in that show, especially compared to like TOS. You know what I'm saying? I mean it yeah. gets even more so as you go, but yeah. Um, we get that line. Should have wished me luck. Oh man, that hit hard. Do you think that was out of spite or humor? Like what? What? Why is Spock saying that? We see later on in this episode that Spock's sarcasm is unmatched. Yeah. When um, when they're talking later on and it's after this is all done, all this whole scene is said and done and they go back in and they're trying to use the two tractor beams to rescue Spock and the shuttle pod. And Spock says, no, don't come back for me. And Bones yells, damn it, we're going to we're, we're coming back to save you. We're going to rescue you or something like that. And he responds with, why, thank you, Captain McCoy. Yeah. It's like we see that he is sarcas- sarcastic, sarcastic, like, girl, through and through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a sassy bitch, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I I think that it was it was more sarcasm and more for humor and to hit home on for the audience, but I think it was to blend the humor with the tragedy of it. I don't think it was yeah. one or the other. I think a, one of the layers too that's going on here is these two brothers that are having a hard time expressing true emotion for each other. Because I think there, there's love, especially within the Trinity, for each other, a great deal of it. They've been through hell and back. And we're seeing that these two just can't express it. One is a Vulcan, but even he's expressing it better than McCoy's doing at this time. Who's You see with that outburst that you mentioned right there, like, no, we're going back for you. That The way that pitched off wasn't like a respond to, no, it was like a, a reaction to the situation. Like, no, I don't give a shit what happens. I'll fly to you if I have to. And that, right. was, a, that was a love for a brother that I don't think... They were exper- They were expressing properly until it had to burst out. You know, yeah. Something I didn't expect to see in this episode or didn't expect to hear was when uh, Bones and Kirk were talking about what this single cell organism is. They called it a virus. When Kirk discovers that it's a virus, and why would they not just try to be the antibodies to kill the virus? And then Bones says something. He has the best lines other than the sarcastic, sassy bitch Spock lines. McCoy has the best lines. He says, 
that would be ironic if that was our sole purpose in this galaxy to be the antibodies for these galactic viruses. And that just made me, I had to pause it and stop. I'm like, that was some meaning of life shit that they just glossed over. They didn't touch on it. They did no shared looks. Kirk was in his own brain. He was still smiling about the idea that he had. And bones just says this like meaning of life stuff that nobody cares about. Which Why not touch on that a little bit? Is the kind of thing like you're watching Star Trek after you know wrestling on a Wednesday evening, and you would think about that for a week. <laughs> that one right. line, yeah, that, that partnered with that one that was earlier about like, well, if you cared for your neighbors more, kind of thing. It's like there was some heavy hitting writing in this thing. This was a good one in that sense. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. I'm just picturing somebody sitting on their back porch after smoking a giant blunt going, yeah. man, what if our sole purpose in life was just to be galactic antibodies, bro? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's so deep. Why not touch on it? It's, it's kind of like the butterfly effect, right? Like your, your life might seem useless to you, but what if something you said to somebody randomly in a grocery store impacted them to make the decision that impacted somebody else? Like everybody's so important. And yet, like, what if it all comes down to you just have to stumble into somebody? Or something like that, or be the antibodies to something that actually matters, like this virus that's approaching the galaxy. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely like getting high thinking about kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh man, yeah, this episode is interesting. It's so much tension. I I really I wrote it down here. I think it's funny that there's so much tension in this episode, and I think a lot of it is all about love. And we see at the end here, like we think Spock is dead, and even Bones is like you know he says something along those lines like it's funny i still think he's out there I, it feels better when i think he's out there alive or something like that um i it's a it's a good bottle episode in the end i think in the end it just turned out to be a really good bottle episode it was really good despite kirk like yeah if this was this i view this episode as a mccoy spock episode i agree yeah and we did get to see a lot of scotty we got to see a bit of uhura and uh Chekhov as well but this was Sulu definitely, a, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> of course. One of the <laughs> the rotating secondary cast members has yeah. to have the day off because they're not going to pay everybody. Of course, to to just put a pin on your whole like Kirk did bad in this one. We end with our lovely planet joke again. The second one for yep. the like, yep, you're right, Kirk. You're freaking useless. <laughs> oh, Maybe man. it should be Captain McCoy. Maybe yeah. Spock's on to something. <laughs> co-captains right there those two co-captains i would be there for that yeah oh man <laughs> oh man or captain uhura which by the way is something we mentioned during the uhura episode uh she always nichelle nichols always wanted there to be a captain uhura moment and they didn't get it until you know way down in the movies but she wished it was in the actual show which hey do it yeah. you know but yeah what did you think of this episode overall do you do you suggest this to somebody who's new to trek um, it's, it's really strange to watch this right after a piece of the action. <laughs> I will say yeah. like having that episode after this episode, they, they kind of clash. Um, but honestly, I would recommend what a new person to Trek watching both of these episodes, maybe in reverse order to see what Star Trek is and then what Star Trek can be. Like, I think Good this call. episode is Star Trek piece of the action is like a more silly what Star Trek can be if you allow it to kind of do its own thing for a little bit. Yeah. But, so yes, to answer your question, yes. And then add that one. I can't remember. It's the one where the uh, where they're chasing down the Romulans. Balance of Terror, which I just rewatched recently, and I 
I like that episode a lot, and I really wish I had given it more props at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one of us. It's a really good episode, us. actually. Yeah, I just I don't know why I didn't like it before, but I really like it actually. I just watched it again. Um, but those you just three, wanted Carol Pinchevsky to like you I, now. <laughs> like, like you, me, again. Carol. No, um, well, no, I rewatched it because uh, the end of Strange New Worlds was uh, a shout out mm, to that yeah. episode, so then I had to rewatch it again. Um, but those three episodes, I think, really do show a full spectrum of what this show can be and and like because that that one there adds the like international feel of star trek federation stuff and um this is tos i just gotta say this because you know john is probably gonna be back next week and i you know, got to take a tos break or a trick freeze break this podcast and this show has me loving star trek more than ever when before it was like man i love star trek yeah i haven't watched tos but i've watched the movies you know and now i'm just like man the fundamentals were there the whole time and I like that I get to go back and really dig into it. It's really fun. Did you get anything for a moral of the story that you haven't already shared? Uh, Kirk can take a day off. That's the moral of the story. Nice. Yeah, I, actually, I, I, my moral of the story is that there doesn't have to be a moral of the story mm. in order for you to get something out of the episode. I it is like it. what you want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> Cop out. Cop out. Oh, man. Uh Anyway, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Trek Freaks. Join us next time when we'll be talking about season two, episode 19. Insert name of that episode here because I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, until next time, transporter room to the beam up. Uh-huh.